All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. Um, This week, I am reviewing, discussing the Amazon movie, Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is about gay men in DC. And I decided, who should I call to discuss this with me? But the funniest and handsomest and most DC man I know, it's Rob. Oh my God, it's me. And you know, the funny thing is, I saw the movie twice because I saw it again last night for homework. And I'm You're such a good student. But now I'm realizing, oh shit, yeah, it was in DC and I live here. Like there is a connection. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's DC, it's London, it's Austin, but you it's know. Paris. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of places. But I was just, when I was thinking, I was like, you know, we probably should talk about this because this book is one that we reviewed really early on on the podcast back when I had a co-host, Clayton, mm-hmm. RIP. Um, and so, yeah, I, obviously I was like, had been so interested in the in the adaptation because it had been announced in like 2015. Hmm. So, um, or 2019, 2015 was way too long ago. So, Rob, you live in Washington, D.C., Yes. Yes. They're also, yeah. Mm -hmm. The seat of power. (laughs) I know. And what I love is we, so we met when we both lived in New York. We ran around the Lower East Side terrorizing people for a few years, having fun. And then you moved, decamped to DC following love. Yes. Which is also very. Somebody put a ring on it and it came down. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so sad. But then you began such a champion for DC and you've been like every time we go down to visit you always are such an amazing tour guide oh god bless you so like I mean I am from New Hampshire and then I moved mm-hmm. to New York City for like 15 years which was one of the best chapters of my life I love New York City and I will never hear mm-hmm. anyone talk shit about it mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> and I was really nervous moving more like to DC but DC and I've said this a hundred times and I really believe it DC is everything I loved about New York except my Mm -hmm. apartment is four times the size. I get to have a car, which speaks Mm -hmm. to my suburban roots. And there's trees (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we still have a metro. We still have all this art and culture, but it's, like, weirdly suburban. And then all of a sudden, like, the president shows up everywhere, which is strange. Yeah. This is not my quote, but I think it's very very telling. I think D.C. Mm -hmm. is, like, Hollywood for ugly people. Where mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll be in a bar and then some random old white man will show up and everyone freaks out. I'm like, well, who the hell is that? And they're like, it's a senator, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yes. Well, in the way that LA is a company town, DC is a company town, you know? Big company town, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, we're here to discuss Red, White, and World Blue. I'd love to hear... Uh, how, did you read the book? And if not, sort of what was your impression of it before watching the movie? Did not read the book. My impression of it is like the commercials. And um, my impression, I guess, was more, okay, and I'm a little nervous because I listened to America's uh, episode last week and she was all oh. like intelligent and talking about like women empowerment and sexual agency. And I'm like, oh, Christ, all I have is a cake and two gay guys making out. But... <laughs> 
this is going to work. <laughs> no, but listen, if you want to come back and discuss a romance novel, I would love that for both love, of us. I think you know it'd what? be we should. so much fun. We yeah, do let's do it. Do but so I really like, ambushed you by just texting you out of the out of the blue saying, you know hey, what? do you want to watch this movie yeah. and talk about it? Yeah, yeah, the answer is yes. So my impression mm-hmm. of the movie, and I think it's like a bigger comment on like gay cinema, which I know is a stupid thing to say, but like when I was little, any movie with gay people in it was just straight up depressing and British. Yeah. Don't know why. And then in the 90s, all these movies came out where someone was dying of AIDS and the family was ripped apart and it was horrible and society is bad. I'm like, oh God, that's depressing. And yeah. then around the 2000s, these movies came out that were kind of like vaguely porn because it was like horrible acting and then all these like graphic scenes. And I'm like, that's a lot. I love this movie. And I could tell from the commercial, it was like an actual rom-com that's just nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's shot in an it's not shot in an iPhone. There's some money put behind it. There's actually really great acting. Of the second time I watched it, I'm like, this is this is done very well. So I was looking forward to watching it and it did not disappoint. I loved it. So can you give us, for anybody who hasn't read the book, a quick synopsis of the film? So here's the deal. Spoilers ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We always spoil. Yeah. So if you haven't yeah. seen the movie and you want to mm. watch it, come back. It's a great rom-com, and the the movie itself, the story itself, is very basic. Like it's like mm-hmm. you have um, Prince he- Henry, yeah, not Harry. Okay, <laughs> Prince Henry, who is the spare. He's not going to be the king, but he's like the king's brother, and he's the mm-hmm. prince of hearts because everyone loves him. And then you have um, Alex, who is the first, the the president's son. Who the president mm-hmm. is Uma Thurman, which is a whole other movie that I want to see, but that's a whole thing. So. Um, they are going to the royal wedding of the brother who will be the king. And it's immediate that, you know, these two don't like each other because the British one is very snobby and the American one is very like, you know, casual and cool. But the second they're in the same room together, you can feel it like they're going to bone. A kerfuffle happens at the royal wedding and there is a 75,000 pound money wise cake that falls on both of them and then it causes like an international scene because they, they ruined this massive expensive cake and there's all these cameras so the president says to her son like listen you're going back to london and you're going to play nice and just pretend you like each other for photo ops because i'm getting elected in a year and you can't mess this up so he goes back to london and there's a series of photo ops and interviews and they still hate each other but you know they don't and then <laughs> and then they're in like the, and then there's the classic Trope. So I think the first trope is learning them. Um, you know, they mm-hmm. kind of hate each other, but you know they don't. That's a trope. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So enemies to lovers. Yeah. There you go. And then they're in this hospital thing, like taught, like you know, reading to sick kids. And there's like the tropey scene where the one of them is watching the other one talk to a sick kid and thinking, "Oh my god, he's so gorgeous." Of course, um, they get shoved into a gorgeous closet. and caring, going and caring because he's got kids. And he's yeah. thin and has eyelashes for days. And um, they get... <laughs> the eyelash acting in this movie is top-notch. I mean, on point. those are insane. <laughs> That's Maybelline, like, you know, America's yeah. next top model stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they get shoved into a closet, not metaphorically, because there was, like, a gun shot or whatever. And in the closet, they're squished together. And then they had kind of hash out why they think they hate each other. Because the British mm-hmm. one was rude to him at an event two years ago, and he took it as an offense. After that, they become actual friends. Then they start... Texting back and forth, which I love those scenes. I think they were shot really cleverly. Like the Amer- the um, 
Alex was like running, you know, and the texting was like in bubbles all around him. And it was so cute. You can have their conversations. It was nice. They had a couple more meetings until the eventual makeout session at um, the New Year's party, which was very lovely. And then they kick it off. They're like together. And then, of course, that's the good part of it. And then <laughs> the press finds out the bomb hits and then they're kind of separated. And you don't know if they're going to get back together. But in every good love story, you know, they're going to make mm -hmm. it happen. They come together at the end. Um, the American president mom was like totally fine with it immediately. And Alex has this big press. I, yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about we're that. We're going to talk about that. Because that was. That was a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> Alex has a press conference in America saying like, listen, I love him. And um, our privacy was breached and that was not cool, but I'm not ashamed of who I am. Good for you. And then the British one, and then he flies to Britain to be with his boyfriend who has to come out to the king, which is a great scene because the king is like, no, 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 we're British. We don't do this. And we're just going to put it under the rug. But then there's all these crowds outside the palace, which was so rom com and so stupid. And I got to tell you, I hit it right in the nail for Uncle Rob because I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. And then they go out on the balcony and they wave to everyone because he is the Prince of Hearts and everyone loves him. And so that was great on that side. They go back to America. The president gets reelected, even though she has a gay son, a bisexual son. Sorry, and um, mm -hmm. everyone's happy at the end. Boom! Was Excellent. that a good? Was that a good? No, recap? that was so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you touched on it a little bit, kind of like what it meant for you to watch just a happy rom com where nobody dies of AIDS, and you yeah. know, like. Yeah. Do you want to talk any more about that? Because obviously that's not an, ex I'm like a straight cis woman. I don't have that experience. I mean, I do think I have the experience of like not seeing myself reflected very often in media, but I think mm. not obviously to the level that you experience. <laughs> what are you doing? I just, this accord I have to do. Um, Okay. My experience is, it's not like, I mean, I'll say it. I, I don't want to come off like I was a sad, horrible person in a dark place. That's never been my experience. No. <laughs> like, I always knew what I was and I actually never got the memo to feel bad about it. So, okay. Yeah. But growing up, like you didn't see gay people on the media at all. Like it just wasn't done, you know? And then all of a sudden you start, gay people start popping up on like the old fashioned Donahue and Oprah Winfrey shows. But they were always like, fistfights and people screaming and drag queens and I'm like I don't I don't think that's me <laughs> you're like I'm not connecting with this like experience. this seems like a lot I don't know you guys <laughs> hmm, okay and then as I said before that all the movies came out with all these sad depressing things and I'm like oh my god my big story actually <laughs> was in seventh grade in sex ed class this is actually quite dramatic um <clears throat> like you know it was a question and answer thing. You got to ask the sex ed teacher all the questions and people were asking all these stupid things. And it was 83 because I'm old. And um, mm -hmm. so it was like really early AIDS thing. And um, somebody asked what the AIDS virus was and because we were hearing about it on TV. And the teacher said with a smile, which I thought was creepy, well, that only happens to gay people and they'll all be dead in the next 10 years. So you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and I remember sitting in that chair and I'm thinking... That seems wrong. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That seems maybe that's probably not what That seems happen. a little genocide-y. Like yeah. we should, and also there was no way that you were the only gay boy in that oh, class God, or no. gay person in that class. Yeah. But yeah. then instead of like it all being like awful, I was like, well, if that's bullshit, maybe other stuff is. So maybe I should just like keep an open mind and just kind of like do my thing. And yeah. oh, here we go. 40 years later, I'm a well-adjusted married man. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I also had the gift of beautiful, wonderful parents who tried their best, and it turned out that that was 
perfect. So I've been lucky. Yes. No, that makes a difference. But I think even, you know, obviously you grew up with the best parents and in such a great family, I can say as a member of that family, even though you uh, did not want me to mention that. We outed uh, that we're cousins. My God, we're related. <laughs> but can I say, though, as a, as a little sidebar, you are yeah. obviously related to me, but um, I just think you're endlessly fascinating. And I love hanging oh, out with you. Thank that you. Was, you were one of the bright spots of living in New York is like really getting to know you and hanging out with you as friends. Because I'm like, you're just fascinating. So. <laughs> I'm just going to say, every time you do something, I'm like, well, that's the it thing. Aaron's doing it. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> well, I, um, yes, you famously don't want uh, people in the public to know that we're cousins because you said it makes it sound like our parents are forcing us to hang out, which isn't true because I have a lot of cousins I don't hang out with. <laughs> right? They don't call me, yeah. so I'm fine. Yeah. So I think, you know, this is also by choice. Like, I come to visit you. I get on a train for you. Come on. I'm not doing that for everybody. It's but true. I think... You flew, um, you flew to the Caribbean for my wedding, so yeah. Oh, I know. I would do it again. Get married yeah, that again. Was fun. Like, that was you fun. did steal my wedding anniversary, which, you know... <laughs> Ladies and is gentlemen, something. it is so true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she got One year after fun. I got married on February 23rd, somebody I else got married on February day. 23rd. And because, like, I mean, I was talking to the wedding planners, and they had this date. I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. Let's do that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes it more special though. And at our wedding, you no, had an anniversary nice. cake delivered to your room, I believe. Did we I did. do that? Did yeah. We? So yeah, I thought I did. Oh, we, had <laughs> we had champagne or something. Something. Um, yeah. No, it was very sweet. Anyway, to say even you who, who grew up, you know, well adjusted and, and everything, like I still think it's really important. And that's why obviously I wanted to have, if I was going to have this discussion with somebody, I thought it was important to have it with a, with somebody who was gay. Um, but because I think, you know, it is important to see these stories out oh, and yeah. about, but also I didn't love the movie. I must say. Really? I mean, I, I wasn't looking for a cure for cancer out of this film. I just wanted like no. a fun two hours in attractive people making out in nice scenes. And I got it, you know, a hundred percent. And that's the thing too. I think part of the reason why maybe I was more critical of it is because I loved the book so much and I thought Which the book I'm was gonna read the book. So is the book vastly oh. different? Tonally, it's very different. And I think that was the thing that I had the hardest time with. The, tonally, it's like it's much funnier and sharper and sexier mm. and not darker in a like dark things happen, because no, but like but it feels more like realistic like the way this movie was shot with all the lights on was like I could have done with like let's dim it like a little bit it felt oh, yeah. I think that an issue I had with the film was like tonally it was a little bit all over the place where it was like is this like a hallmark Netflix rom-com but then there were sex scenes which like listen I love more sex scenes the better hmm. but then the sex scenes felt really odd against this like almost like clownish very brightly lit sometimes corny I dialogue felt, i felt kind of the opposite i thought they kind of oh. worked like it wasn't because like coming from a place where you would watch stuff where either it was like people like full too graphic wow that's a lot or like you know in a barn ripping their clothes off and crying because their parents are never going to talk to them again i thought this was like <laughs> Kind of some sexy kissing and a little hair grabbing. And I thought it was kind of nice. Like, and it wasn't too graphic, but it was enough to be like, okay, I know what's going on. <laughs> you know? Oh, I yeah. It was well done. 
Well, no, not th- I thought the sex scenes themselves were well done and mm. well placed and everything like that. But I thought that it's like, then let's have the energy of this sex scene continue through the rest of the film in a oh, way that I felt like it didn't because, and, and also it's just that thing of like, when you read a book, you have it all in your mind and everything is perfect and people are acting exactly the way you think they're going to act. Yeah. And then in TV or film, it's static. And like, that's what that person looks like. That's how that person sits at the line. You know? It's interesting too. Cause like I'm reading, um, I'm reading these books, the, the foundation series, the Isaac Asimov foundation series, which is the science fiction, like, it was written in the fifth between the fifties and the eighties. There's a ton of mm-hmm. books, and now there's an Apple thing about it, like an Apple show about it. And the show was great, so I decided to read the books. And now I'm reading the books, and they're vastly different. The show is an, uh, obviously an adaptation, but you're right; it's not what I thought it would. But I like it as a separate entity. So maybe you mm-hmm. could like the movie as a separate entity from the book. I know, and I think that's what I need to do because also in the book, it, it the world felt richer. Mm. And that I felt like we spent more time. The book is, I, I believe it's always in Alex's point of view. Like we never get um, Henry's point of view, but I mm. do, if I'm, I'm, but I might be remembering it wrong, but that's what I think. Um, but I felt like it would have benefited from us spending more time with Henry and getting a little bit more about his like background and how he was feeling. And if he was mm. feeling stifled by his status, because I felt like it was moving then at the end when he, or, or not at the end, but when Alex like shows up at Buckingham palace randomly mm-hmm. and in the rain and it's so dramatic, which I fucking loved. Listen, loved more, every goddamn minute of that. Yeah. More <laughs> rain. But I think more rain then, everywhere. Exactly. But when he gives that whole speech about like, I'm the crown and I can't be doing this. It's like, before that, I don't feel like we ever felt like he was necessarily repressing anything or it seemed like he was so gung ho into the relationship that that felt like such an abrupt thing for me where I'm like, if we had spent time with him and we had seen him try to like stifle other aspects of his life or feel conflicted about engaging with Alex, then I would have I don't know. I feel like it would have landed more. I it was just it landed, all of a sudden. It landed for me when they were on like vacation at the dad's house or whatever, and they're swimming, and uh, the prince was like on that float, that that dock thing. Yeah. And Alex comes swims up, and he's laying next to him, and they're all being cute. And then he was saying like, "I never felt like this with anyone before." And in a couple of years, like my mom isn't going to be president, so maybe you can come to Austin and see my house, and we can be out more. I love the way that was shot because, like, the prince kind of rolls over and is, like, looking towards the camera, not at it, obviously. Yeah. But you can tell his face is just melting, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not going the way I wanted it to go. Because you can tell he felt the same way, but he's like, yeah. in four years, I'm still going to be the crown. Like, I think that that landed for me, so the other scene made more sense with mm-hmm. that attached. And I don't think <clears throat> I'm on the second watching the whole dancing thing at the museum after, like when he went to, when Alex went to Britain and um, had the big confrontation in the rain and then they go to like the British Museum at night, which, okay, we all know that's horseshit that he could just go to the museum for free, whatever. But you know, they're dancing and stuff and they're having that moment alone and everything. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Like you could tell that's, you know, that was the whole, it's gonna all be okay moment for me. 
Oh, that was a, that's a beautiful scene in the book. And I thought that was a beautiful scene in the film, too, at the yeah. Victoria and Albert Museum. Yeah. And you do have to spend a sleeve because at the end, when they're both riding bikes in a suburb of Austin towards a house, and I'm like, OK, so the crown prince and the son of the president have no security. Like, I'm nervous. Yeah, yeah. And they still have a van following them. And they still have a random suburban split level home that no one's lived in for ostensibly four years. And okay, is is there food in the fridge? Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> right, like we still have all of our furnitures here. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. It was cute though. I did like it. Um, so we could talk about. I mean, I think something that's really interesting, and I'm gonna. I'm so mad because I cannot remember the author's name, but I saw something. I'm sure on TikTok because that's my medium of choice at the moment hmm. where he was uh, or is a gay black author. And he talked about how he always gets frustrated when a piece of media is written ostensibly for a group of people, but then you can feel the authors or the creators of that media reaching past the intended audience for another audience by over explaining things. <laughs> and so then as you're reading it, you're like, um, uh, oh, okay. So like, I'm not the intended audience. Like you're going for this other audience that doesn't, isn't the audience that's represented in this book. Like he said, basically the example he gave was like, if two uh, gay black men met on a quarter and they said, I'm listening to the new Luther album, you would know that it was Luther Van Bross just because like, that's who you'd be listening to. And, but that's something that would have to be explained maybe to like white uh, group people or like not gay people, whatever. Ugh, white people are the worst. I can say that. <laughs> we know firsthand experience. Girl. It's awful. But I think um, anyway, all of that to say, we have a big coming out scene in this book. I mean, in this movie, because Alex, who is bisexual and has had gay experiences, uh, needs to come out to his mom, and they also need to come out to the king. Um, what was your feeling about that? Because I felt like that whole scene was odd. <laughs> I, uh, it was a little uh, detailed, but um, <laughs> yes, exactly. It was good because yeah. what I took that from the perspective is like, you know, the mom had a son who thought, you know, it's going one way. And then he's like, Oh, I met somebody. And then, you know, the mom was like, well, I hope she's not horrible because, <laughs> you know, I'm the yeah. president, that's going to be a thing. And then it turns out to be a boy. And there was that great part where Uma Thurman kind of like looks off, like up, and she's like, ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's almost like, you know, the relationship was in one gear and then all of a sudden it violently changed gears and she had to adjust. Mm -hmm. And maybe she didn't, she handled it beautifully, obviously. I mean, it's Uma Thurman for Christ's sake. But yeah, sometimes if you change gears too quick, you expect the other person to be where you are immediately because you've known the whole time. Yeah. So you have to give that person a little grace because maybe they might say some things that are a little too much, but they're just trying to be helpful. And I thought it was nice. And he, even when she got too detailed into like, you know, I know when I explained the birds and bees, I didn't cover this. And he was like, mom, Jesus, stop. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've already been dating somebody. So like the birds and the bees have flown. Mm, like, like I'm, I'm in my 30s. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had He's cable. supposed to I be in his 20s. Yeah. 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 Well, it's 20s. Still. But yeah, he had cable TV. He figured it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but she starts talking about Truvada. She starts talking about HIV testing, about condoms. And it's like, okay, I... Yeah. Oof. Basic cable bad. prepared her in a way that no one was ready for. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the other <coughs> so in the book also uh alex has a sister june who doesn't appear in this and i felt yeah. like between him his sister getting flattened and then his best friend nora who is in the book i would have liked to see a little bit more of her like uh her story like we never really have a b story in this other than like alex trying to flip texas for the democrats which We've we're all traumatized from that fucking election map. Like I truly never <laughs> want to see it again. Can I tell <laughs> but you I was like, anybody talks about politics, by the way, I live in Washington, DC. When yeah. anybody talks about politics, I just cringe. I'm like, can we just not like, oh my God, I've done my part. I don't know what else I can freaking do. <laughs> like, oh I know. I, yeah. It's like, it's, you have to protect yes, yourself. Jesus, God, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> there was so much like just cognitive dissonance. And I was like, how the hell is the Democrat, is the Democrat needing to win Texas to win? That's so bizarre. It is and an also, upside down world. But you know, I think that was just obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But it's strange that like, she's a Texan and that a president could win without winning their home state. Like it just happened so rarely, you know. Well, it went orange last time. He didn't win his home state and he won. But I don't, you know, Pat, cut that no, out. No, I know. I don't want to talk about him. But yeah. um, I just think that that was a B plot that was written in to give agency to his character. Yeah. And um, and then to serve as the end as like, you know, he won the election for his mom. And I think maybe they should have, I don't know, took some of the details out of that because it was a little much like, okay, we get it. I just want to, I want the kissing at the end when the president wins because it is a rom-com. You know, it's a romance. You know, they're going to end up together. I know. But, you know, and you said something a couple episodes ago that I thought was really good because you were like, you know, they're going to end up together because that's the definition of a romance. But it's a testament to their writing that in the middle you think, oh shit, this is not going to happen. Like, and I kind of had a couple times where I'm like, oh, this might not work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Also, the other little piece that I thought was interesting was like the other uh, dude on dude experience that Alex had was with a, a member of the press. Oh, yeah, we have a sinister gay dude, in this. The sinister gay, which you know what? <laughs> Great character. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Oh, he was immediately, you show, like, kudos to that actor because the second he shows up, you're like, I don't like him. This guy's going to be in fucking trouble. She mean. <laughs> she's mean. She's bitter. Alex doesn't mm. want him anymore, and he's mad about it. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. But the fact that he, like, messed around with a member of the press, I'm like, okay, no one is that stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. he's the president's son, for Christ's sake. He should have known better. A hundred percent. Um. And something else. And, and the thing is, too, it's hard to adapt, and it's hard to adapt like, well, I like do also always want to say that, but <clears throat> in the book, um, Beatrice, so Henry's sister has had like a very public, like cocaine problem in the past. Oh. And we kind of find out about it. And I was like, it would be interesting if, if Henry had a first row seat to scandal, mm. um, it, and then he would kind of understand a little bit more why him coming out or especially him coming out with like who he was dating would have yeah. been something he was more afraid of and because like, yeah the, the sister his sister could have been fleshed out a little more but just a quick note on casting the guy who played the person who'd be king whose wedding was happening henry's brother yeah. and then henry's sister who was a redhead and then henry who's blonde these kids don't look anything alike <laughs> like not even vaguely related <laughs> I mean they're all human beings I think that's pretty much it so I'm like who the hell is this <laughs> you know? yeah 
Yeah, Pat kept asking, that's his girlfriend? I was like, no, in this movie, he is gay. <laughs> he does yeah. not, that's his sister. He does not have a girlfriend. Um, yeah, Stephen Fry was great as the king, but he always is. Whenever he shows up, it's always yeah, good. Yeah, he's super great. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, what else. Anyway, so that, I, I just feel like, had we, like, beefed up the side characters a little bit more, mm. it would have been... I think it would have been good also... And then on the second watching, I kind of gleaned this a little more. Like, you only have a certain amount of time. It was a two-hour yeah. two movie. Like, it was not long, but it was it was a movie. And you really want to just focus on the main plot and push it together, you know? Yeah. So I think any more focusing on other characters would have just kind of diluted it. Because I wanted to know way more about Uma Thurman. I wanted to know way more about um, the head of security, the one mm. who pushed him in the closet. I loved her. She was great. <laughs> she was great. Yeah. She just loved her dogs. I know. <laughs> so cute. Which is so relatable. I know. Um yeah, I I mean I yeah, I think tonally it was a little bit all over the place, but it was good and it's it's fun to see romances ad adapted. And also that it made you want to see the I mean want to read the book, which I think is the big thing. Oh yeah, I'm I'm actually totally going to read it. I've been really into reading books on my phone cuz it's so convenient and it's always right yeah. there. So yeah, you can certainly buy red, white, and royal blue on mm. your phone. There we go. <laughs> um, I've and so Casey loaded it as we were talking. So I'm so oh, <laughs> look at me multitask. <laughs> <clears throat> and so Casey McQuiston, who wrote the novel, their uh, their second novel was in made a cameo in the movie. It's oh, the book! It's the book that Alex is reading when they're laying in the hammock. It's called One Last Stop. Oh, I didn't. Oh, that's cute. Is that nice? So we don't Is that a like good book? Did you read that one? No, I haven't got to that one yet because the problem with having this podcast um, is like golden handcuffs and that I always have something to read for the podcast. Hold so, on, wait a minute. You have a podcast? Are you taping? I do. You're, ta you're taping. Oh, okay. I just wanted to call you to talk about a movie. Now I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> no. You knew this was coming. I knew it. <laughs> um, that it's like there's so many books that I want to read on my TBR that I just yeah. am not going to get to. So I own it and I could at any moment start reading it. But I have three books to read this month. So I'm not going to do it. That's a lot. I'll read it. And I have a 10-day trip too. I'm getting it done. Good for you. Dig in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anything else about um, the movie? Any other thoughts? I just thought it was great. Like I said, I love the way it was shot, which I know sounds weird because I'm not like I'm not like a director or whatever. But I love like the whole kind of romance part when they were like texting each other and Alex was jogging and the text bubbles were going all around. And as he's jogging through the park, Henry was sitting on a bench, like obviously not there, but like talking his part. And it was just really interesting. And they were in the same room together texting, but they were actually talking to each other with a text. I thought that was really great. I thought it was very well done. I think that's really hard too because it is like a bit of an epistolatory romance in that a, a, they kind of fall in love through texting each other. Because it was they were both in their safe spaces. It wasn't all like up in front of them, you know. Yeah, and so, but that's always really hard to show in film because it's like, how boring is it to just read re text messages? And I thought they did such a good job. Like even when they're on the phone, it showed them like laying next to each other in bed. Yeah. And so, like, you felt, like, that intimacy, him with the turkey. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Which is a real thing, actually. 
Yes, but it's not normally in the first son's bedroom. No, 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 no. Um. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we lose June. We we lose his sister. I get it. You have to slim down. But like, for some reason, in all of these like recent adaptations, like women keep getting killed off or just disappeared. Like I don't know. I'm thinking of like the In the Heights as well. It's just like it's it's a trend that I don't love. Yeah. We're like from books to film or from like stage adaptations to film. We're just like losing women left and right. And I was They're like robbing women's agency. Oh, America would be so are. proud of me right now that I said that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Am I coming off smart? <laughs> You're very smart. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's another dig that I have against, but I will say ultimately loved it. This is also doing so well for Amazon. Apparently their subscriptions to prime have been going up and it's for people to watch this movie, which is like, that's so fantastic. I mean, for representation, but also for like just representation of romance novels, because there is a lot of money in romance adaptations and I really would like people to do more. And hire me. They did so well because they, you know, they put some money behind it, and there's some really great acting, and yeah, it was nice. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it's doing well. Yeah, it's all over social media too. I keep getting little posts and little things, and like apparently there's a post credit scene. Did you see it? No. Yeah. So here's the thing. I read about this post credit scene. I'm like, oh, is there like a a link to like a part two, or does something happen? And I'm like, ooh. So I tried to find it, and I couldn't find it. I had to get the movie up again and fast forward to the whole thing. And, and all it is, is they're like, uh, it's when the cake fell on them and they're in the cake with all the frosting everywhere. And Alex looks at Henry and he goes, I don't think I even noticed. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> it was cute. That's I'm cute. like, that was it. I ever made such a big thing about it. But yeah, it was cute. Yeah. Um, I could have done also with Alex being like, he was very handsome, but like the charisma, I could have done a little bit. He could have tamped it down. Uh, no, okay. So are you, who was more handsome? The British one or the American one? I think the American one was cuter. Me too. I mean, it's yeah. not a contest. They were it's both not a contest. They both got together. But yeah, the British one was very like buttoned up. He's been in a lot of things, which I didn't realize. He's very talented. He like sings and stuff too, which I didn't know. Mm, way to go. Yeah. He's in a, a movie called Bottoms that I watched that I'm obsessed with. Oh, was it's it good? Funny. I think that's out now, right? Yes, you should go see it. It's so funny. It's a... Um, it's just about these like lesbian girls in high school and they start a fight club in order to get closer to these two girls they have a crush on. As one does. That makes sense. And it's just like, and I say this with the most affection, it's the dumbest movie I've ever seen. Like it's so fun. It's so silly. It's so dumb, but it's so it's. Gay cinema is moving forward. Ladies and gentlemen, it is happening. (laughs) Loving it. Yes. But he's in it. He plays, he plays like the school, like hot quarterback and he's great. Um, No, they're great. I mean, yeah, the acting. I mean, the also the woman who plays the Uma Thurman's assistant when she found Henry in the closet. I love her character. <laughs> she was perfect. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen at home, this was the funniest scene because they're like, you know, in bed together and they wake up and they're like, oh, whatever. But Alex has a meeting that day. So like the... Uh, the wrangler is like knocking on the door and she's like, Alex, you have to be downstairs in five minutes. Is there someone in that room? And then she bursts in and the prince hides in the closet. And this lady is running around the room, screaming at him like, oh my God, if you have screwed up and there is some girl in here and your mom is getting elected in a month, like what is wrong with you? And then she opens the door and the prince is there and she was like, ah, (laughs) so funny. (laughs) It's like, you're gay and he's the prince and oh my God, we're in Texas and, Oh my god! <laughs> and then she bows to him at the end. 
Yes, yes. After yelling at both of them, and then she's like, Your Royal Highness, and then she just leaves. <laughs> that was such a good scene. I really I loved her character too. Yeah. She should get a sequel. There you go. Yeah, she was great. I think um well, I mean, the problem is that, like, also, like, I'm such an anti-royalist that any time that they were like, I'm the prince and we have to stand on all of this. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. Fuck off. We're also taping this on the anniversary of the Queen's passing, by the way. Today is the end of the year anniversary. Oh, okay. So this seems very appropriate that we're doing this today. Bye, Liz. Lizzie's yeah. in a box. Do you remember that chant at a soccer? No. <laughs> in Ireland, in Ireland, there was a soccer game, a football game, and uh, everybody started chanting Lizzie's in a box. Oh, my God. That's awful. <laughs> Do better, Liz. And Do maybe better, we Liz. want to be chanting. Do Jesus. better, monarchy. Mm -hmm. um, I And that's the other thing. The thing that I liked also about the movie, and this is like also reflected in the book, that the that they were gay was so small compared to who they each were, which was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, oh this my is God. Yeah. Worst possible person for you to be doing this with. And so it wasn't just like, what if he's gay? It's like, what if he's gay and he's dating basically the most famous other person. That's like, you know what? Okay. Worst that, possible person to be edit dating. That to the beginning of the conversation. Cause that's a huge point. This story yeah. wasn't about them being gay. It was about them being like, the first, the president's son and the prince of England. Like, that's what the mm -hmm. real, yeah. That's an, a huge point. Yeah. Yeah. That was really difficult because, I mean, why anyone would ever marry into that family is. Jesus Christ, I know. Beyond yes. me. They seem like absolute, I mean, they seem like nightmare humans, but then also like all the things that you have to do. They seem I like always, nightmare humans, but they're because they were born in like a glass cage and have been stared at and told that they were special there. And I mean, it's kind of a little bit their fault, but maybe a little bit not their fault. Like it's a horrible situation. I mean, oh, it's child abuse. I mean, yeah. clearly, this is it's this child is abuse that goes into adult abuse. Oh yes, it's, but also, but also, yeah. it's almost like Britney Spears. Like even though she wanted to turn it off and she took a dump on the VMAs, no, she's still famous. Like you can't turn that off. People are still gonna be rooting through your garbage and looking at stuff. So. Right, you, you can't are. turn off the fame, but also I think it's like, um, I don't know. I just feel it. I feel like it's so strange because even when they're talking about like an eighty thousand uh, dollar or eight seventy five seventy five thousand pound pound wedding cake, I'm like, wow. And they have to fundraise in the UK for like uh, to pay nurses and things like that. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> always the thing is like the the extraordinarily extraordinary excess where it's like you could also just like step away from this you could turn over a lot of the money you get to the yeah. state and still be millionaires um there's this great podcast called um it's about the british museum and it's like what the british museum like stole or whatever yeah. <laughs> and it's all the stuff that's in the british museum that kind of had very problematic origins but right so the entirety but, of the british museum yeah. however like it happened in 1840 when this like artifact got to the British Museum under nefarious circumstances. However, if it wasn't in the British Museum, it simply wouldn't exist today. So mm -hmm. it's like, hmm. <laughs> you know, like, the British family has all these things that wouldn't exist if the British family, you know, didn't have them and kept them safe all these years. So it's, like, weird. They're, like, a weird institution that has protected things as an ancillary effect of who they are, 
And now we're at a place where, yeah. And I think that Queen Elizabeth wanted to make a, a Queen Elizabeth museum, which would have mm -hmm. been this massive, massive estate with all these things in it. And I think that's still in the works. I, I always think, find that to be not like a valid argument because people still go to Versailles and oh, people yeah. still go to the Louvre and they chop their heads off in 1740 something. So it's like, the idea Where that is that movie. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of them. <laughs> but the, so the idea that like if the if the royal family wasn't the royal family, nobody would visit Britain anymore. I think it's not it's not a valid argument. Oh there no no no. What I'm saying, no no what I, what I'm saying is if the British family wasn't the British family, they wouldn't have been in a position of power for the last how many hundreds of years and have accumulated all of these artifacts and have them all in the same place that's safe. You know what I mean? Like they have an extensive, not just an art collection, but just all these things that are giving as like state gifts for hundreds mm -hmm. of years that they all have now. And it's just, a, it's, it's very interesting. It's a interesting problem because <laughs> they're sitting yeah. on all this stuff. And, you know, Britain makes a big old deal. Every time you go, um, you know, every tour you take, they're like, and this is the first blah, blah, blah. And it has been running for the last 700 years. I'm like, okay. That's great. <laughs> you know, they make a big deal about that. So, yeah, I, I think it is. It always it just makes me laugh, though, how Amer like, you know, I think we have such daddy issues when it comes to the royal family, when it comes to Britain in general, um, how how Americans and even very liberal Americans will still be obsessed with this institution that is like inherently white supremacist is inherently mm exploitative and all of these things. And so it's like, that was something that, you know, with the movie too, I was like, oh, there's such a faction of the Democratic Party that would be like, oh, I can't believe you're like this person who's this representation of all of, of this evil in the world. Yeah, but they have such nice parties. <laughs> and we're quite nice frocks to go to the party. <laughs> oh yeah, and all of their weird little hats and things like that. Well, there's yeah, they're fasteners or whatever. You know. <laughs> crumpets. We didn't say anything about crumpets, and it's a British broadcast. Um, they yeah. Well, listen, I love listen. I love going to London and all those things, but I think I just have problems with the royal family being shown as anything but kind of uh, exploitative and exclusionary, you know? See, my hot take on London is I think I went for the first time in like 99 or 98 and it was like, it's London. It's like this ancient city and all these great things. And it was very exciting and I loved it. I went back again, I think somewhere around 2008 or nine ish. And it's pretty much the Harry Potter tour. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking love Harry Potter. Every yeah. building you see, and this is Gringotts, and this is where this was filmed, and this is where this was filmed. And and I, they went to King's Cross, like the big train station, and they were saying how this is where Platform Nine and a Half is. I'm like, A, no, that's not a real thing. But B, like, this is King's Cross Station. This is where all the British children came and were put on trains and had to leave the city during the Blitz. Like, other things happened here, guys. Right. <laughs> you, know, you guys had a lot of history. I mean, I love Harry Potter. This is not like, I mean, of course I loved it, but it's like Britain really, they took the pill on that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because, okay, um, we stayed when we went. Uh, 
my husband surprised me with like the the Eurostar tickets from Paris to mm-hmm. London for the weekend, and I loved it. And we pulled into, and I'm going to say this wrong, St. Pancreas, St. Pancras Station. Pancras, yeah. Pancras, which is next to King's Cross, and there's like a hotel attached where, surprise, we walk Spice in and they're like, no, no, yeah, well, that's what I said. But I, they were like, no, no, um, this was Hogwarts in the first movie, and this is where they filmed oh. the scene. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, no, I've seen something else here. And then the ladies like the Spice Girls uh, wannabe video, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is the staircase. <laughs> and then I, made I mean, my that's bigger. Watch an entire reenactment, which she was not interested in, but I did it anyway, and I nailed it. You, I, I know, I know that you did. Even having never seen it, and I don't understand why he didn't tape it for all of us. Rude. But no, I know that you nailed it. Because you'll never see that. There's no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, any other like final thoughts on Red, White, Royal Blue, the monarchy, politics in America? Jesus. I we, did. We, it, we touched on some things. <laughs> I know. It did bug me out. There was a Mitch McConnell joke, which like, listen, I love dunking on that cretin. But I do... I was like, ah, fuck. I'm like, in this universe, Mitch McConnell exists. That's such a bummer. I know. You know, no universe is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, we loved it. Overall, if you haven't read the book, read the book. Uh Watch the Overall, uh, also, there's something, I think it was on Netflix called Heartstopper. There's two seasons. If you, that's another really good one that you should watch. It's about about? two high school school kids fall in love. They're boys. And um, it's just really cute and very like, teenage drama-y but of course it's like a little everyone's either non-binary or lesbian or there's there's a lot a lot of choices in that and it's cute but every time they touch hands they have a little cartoon heart that comes out of a little flower it's just cute yeah i don't know i was into it that's the other thing we're watching that's very cute that's very corny i love it yeah it's corny like bring it back i know i agree where it's like just go all into corniness if that's what you're gonna if that's what you want to do. Because, you know, somewhere, somewhere in middle of America, when there's like this poor kid with like born again, Christian Republican parents, he's watching this at midnight on his phone somewhere. And it's yeah. impactful and it's doing something good. So amen for media. <laughs> you know, like that's what I think this movie is probably going to be like the best for, you know. I mean, I mean, that's that. That's There's that. nothing to say after that, but I th- I agree 100%. <laughs> and so you're swooning about Heartstopper, which I have been hearing a lot about, and I do need to touch I wouldn't say swooning. I say cute. Oh. No, yeah. Okay. That's what have you been swoon. swooning about later, lately then? I feel very smart that I'm finishing up the Foundation series. I love that. Good job. And um, I just had a little road trip back to uh, New Hampshire, and I, I listened to Pride and Prejudice, the unabridged mm-hmm. 10 hour audiobook version with Kate Beckinsale. Cause I, Ooh. you know, I don't think I've ever l- read the book and I'm like, I'm on this car ride. Let's try that. And I felt very fancy about like listening to the whole thing and understanding what the hell was going on. Did you um, like it? What was your experience of Pride and Pride? I liked it. I just thought it was obviously it was written in the 18, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, it was good though. It was really good. And I think you had said in one of your episodes about how like this was one of the seminal works that like made a lot of other things possible. And I could see the root causes of a lot of other of the books you've reviewed in that book. So Yes. Yes. She yeah, I mean, she really broke the mold, especially with that, because that's such a like a primal story that keeps getting retold over and over again. Exactly. And um, that's why I really like like the foundation series because you're reading it and it's actually, 
Asimov wrote it as a series of short stories that appeared in like science magazines in the 50s. So the original three or four books are short stories cobbled together. So they kind of are disjointed. Like when you start a chapter, you think, did I miss a chapter? Like this is a big change. But um, he drops little things he drops are like the foundation for like Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and Logan's Run. Like everything you read mm -hmm. is like, oh, that's where they got that idea from. <laughs> you know? So I found Pride and Prejudice was the same thing for romance novels. Right, where you're like, let's go back to the beginning. And she mm. and she was a contemporary author. She was writing what she saw. Yeah. Um, always named the hottest character Jane, which I thought was a flex. I appreciate it as a Leo, you know? Mm -hmm. I get that. <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing. So you'll come back and do a book with me? You know what? Let's do that. However, I'm just going to be really honest. I can't read a book as fast as you can because I don't have enough time. But let's pick one and give me like a long ass time to read it. And then, yeah, I'll totally do that for you. I love that. I mean, that's what I do with kind of everybody is I give them a book and then they tell me when they're three quarters of the way done. And then I start reading it. And then I'm done. Because <laughs> you need like half an hour and you're good. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten so good at reading so fast. Like now I can finish a romance novel in like three days nice. normally i also will i go to bed so early and then i read for like three hours what's so weird too is um, i'm starting a new job and i've just been going through this like um interview process and i've been doing a lot of research so i can sound intelligent when i talk to these people and oh i've noticed myself like oh i'm reading faster and retaining better now because like it's a muscle if you don't do it all the time i don't obviously you don't become illiterate but <laughs> you just kind of like lose the the flex of it so yeah. Well, yeah, and having that level of concentration, too, with reading. But I read everything on my phone because it's just easier for, like, the subway or if I'm, like, waiting for yeah. somebody to always just, like, have it on my phone. Like I would love I to be that person with a book and just clutch it and cross the street and look both ways. But, uh, no, it's on my phone. I can look it up. Like, if I'm waiting for somebody, I can just read, it like, a couple things. And it's just so much easier. Sometimes I do when I'm, like, at a bar or at – I'm, like, I do wish that I had a physical book because I feel like you would look so much cooler if you have a book. And I'm just, like, mm. on my phone and, like, nobody knows I'm reading a book, which is upsetting. Yeah. As somebody who reads in public, I need everyone to know. So <laughs> I <laughs> – so that's, a, that's the time where I'm, like, mm. oh, I wish I had, like, a book. Or, like, on a plane or something, I'll read, like, an actual book. But otherwise, yeah, mm. just on my phone, it's just easier. And For then it's great. For years, years, I would always get a book when I was in an airport and read it during yeah. that trip. And then you know, I always discard the book. I don't know where those books are anymore, but I like them on my phone because then they're there after and you can kind of see them again. Yeah. You can go back yeah. to them. I, that's my favorite thing to do whenever I arrive somewhere that I've never been before is to like find the independent bookstore. And then I always ask them, I was like, what's a book that you think like exemplifies like this area, like this town or whatever. See, that okay. That's okay. why I love you. You're so interesting. <laughs> I never think to do that. I get you a new place. Yeah. I'm like, where's the bathroom? And I need coffee. Well, those I, I, I would say the <laughs> after both of those things, yeah. but yeah, I, I would walk in there like fully flushed out and with a coffee, and then yeah, I ask. Okay, them okay. And you I, end up with I, such good books when you are asking, you know, somebody different, kind of like what they would read, because you know. Mm. I also read a lot of David Sedaris, which I absolutely love, and I just realized mm -hmm. on his last novel that he put out that I read on my phone. Um, I've read so many of his books and all of his writing is very like about himself, you know, that I feel that I know his family. Yeah. <laughs> and this last book, like spoiler alert, like his dad passed away and he talked about that and Tiffany passed mm. away years ago and he's talking about yeah, that. Yeah. And I like literally felt that loss. <laughs> you know? It's so weird. You know? 
Oh, God. I always think of that when he wrote about after his mother passed away and then his father got the young Great Danes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That's well, they had the first Great Dane when the mother was alive. And then when that Great Dane died, he mourned over it like he couldn't mourn for his wife because she wouldn't allow that. And then he got the second Great Dane and it was like too big for him. And David was like, it's like he has the younger girlfriend whose energy embarrasses him because it's <laughs> obvious that he's trying to replace something. I'm like, oh, God, that was so poignant. Yeah, yeah. he's so good at it. It's so, so hard good. to write that. Yeah. yeah. We love David Sedaris. I mean, so that's a lot of swoons. And also, anybody listening, if you have an idea for what book Rob should read, because will this be your first, first romance novel? I read a romance novel when I was in high school only for the dirty parts. Which and, one um, did you read? Was I it boys? I forget what, no, it was a girl and a boy. And I forget, mm -hmm. I just remember like the girl had a lot of like bodice ripping and a lot of like making out and we thought it was hysterical. That's all I remember. Okay. That's hard to nail down. because. <laughs> also, there was a protagonist and they ended up together mm -hmm. at the end. Does that, does that help okay. at all? Yeah. This is going to be tough. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So it'll be your first kind of modern romance. And would, do you want to read a gay romance? MLM? No, I don't care. No, I'll read whatever. Oh. Well, I think it'd be more fun, too. I don't read yeah. a ton of gay romances, so it'd be fun to dip in. I live them, darling. I don't read them. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, and maybe you, when you come back and you can tell us the story of how you met your husband. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually maybe. a good story. It's very nice. It's such a good story. Um, and I love the, yeah. Yeah, maybe don't, don't spoiler it. alert that. I'm not going to spoil it, but you're going to come back. Thanks so much for joining me. I love you so much. Even oh, if you weren't my cousin. So no, I love you so much. And this was like wonderful. And I'm so honored to be on your show because uh, I love it. I listen to it all the time. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. You do? I didn't know that you listen. I don't. I downloaded it. Okay, I'm going to be super honest. I downloaded every week. I listened to everything with Clayton in it. And then I kind of fell off, even though I still download it because I want you to get the numbers. <laughs> That's a. <laughs> and um, I listen to it. Yeah, I drop in a lot and I listen to it. I like it better now that it's just you because um, then we, then we, you and I, fall into this trap where I assume we just spoke a moment ago because I listened to you for an hour and a half. So, <laughs> <laughs> so at the it's beginning so of this hard. conversation, we're like, oh, we haven't really spoken in a while. I'm like, no, I talked to you. Oh no, 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 that was that was the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have that where like a friend of a friend. Uh, who I had met and like hung out with a bunch of times and ended up moving to LA and she started a podcast that I listen to every week. And so in my mind, we're very close friends now. Yeah. She does not know me at all. And mm -hmm. I'm going to LA this month and I was like, oh, I should definitely reach out to her and we can like get coffee or something. And I'm like, that would be so bizarre if I did that yeah. because we have not seen each other or spoken in four years. I call she would that be the like, Tracy and effect. you are? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the Tracy effect. There's this girl, Tracy, who was a friend of a friend. I met her once at a bar and we were drunk. Surprise. And we became like mm -hmm. Facebook friends or whatever. And then for whatever algorithmic reason, she pops up every day in my feed and I just mistakenly thought we were best friends, even though I literally met her the once when we were drunk. And yeah. I'm such an idiot three or four years had passed and then she went, she was leaving New York and I went to her goodbye party and stuff and she had no idea who I was. And I was so embarrassed that <laughs> I not only knew her, I knew her kid, <laughs> I knew the husband, I knew the friend. And I'm like, how was your trip to Croatia? I'm like, oh shit, I have to get out of here. Like it was so embarrassing. And then I'm like, now I check myself. I'm like, no more Tracy events. No, 
no. Do I know this person? Have I physically seen them? Do we, do they know who like anything about me? <laughs> you know? Right. Do they know who I am? I think that's the bigger thing. Cause I feel like I could hang out with her and I'd be like, so tell, you know, you just had this breakup. Tell me about yeah, this. Tell yeah. me about that. And, but she would be like, and you are like, yeah. she would not know. Ooh. I did text her once when I started listening to the podcast and I was like, Hey, just because like, I have a podcast and I'd appreciate somebody doing this to me, but I've been listening and I like really love mm -hmm. it. And like, you're doing great. And she was like, Oh, thank you so much. I mean, she's yeah. very sweet. This is all like, uh, in my head. Um, yeah, I'm like not on socials at all. I have them obviously. And when I, when I go on vacation, I do a photo dump for my mom and I never realized how many other people look at it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I do. Whenever I travel to, I always do a photo dump. Cause I'm like, I'm, you know what? I know it's like, maybe it's cringy, but it's like, I'm experiencing all this and I do want it to kind of like be out there. And if people mm. do care. And then I, I did that when I was away this summer and somebody said to me, they're like, you know, I had to mute you because oh. I was getting so stressed, like seeing your trip and I was comparing and, and it really like brought me to a dark place. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, Jesus, well, I'm so that's a lot sorry. on Sorry. I know there's a lot also to tell me. It's like, also, if you mute me, you mute me. Like, I don't know. I don't, care, like, yeah. don't tell me. But I was just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. But also I'm like, you know what? I had many years where I couldn't take a trip and now I can take a trip that I planned yeah. for three years. Like, I'm sorry, you're getting fucking pictures, you know? <laughs> yeah. I did a photo dump every day when I was on vacation for my mom, like I said, and then I was getting comments from like my best friend from like ninth grade, her dad was loving it. And I'm like, Mr. Taylor's watching my life. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, now I can't stop because it's not like, it's just weird. Yeah, but it was all Right, fun. right, because now yeah. there's an expectation and all yeah, of that. Yeah, it was all but... from a place of love. I hope I didn't depress anyone. Jeez. I know, but it's also, it's like... That seems like a you thing. Some things like, are I'm you. Sorry. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't like I was tagging her in all the photos, like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I wish you were here. You exactly. know, yeah. How is my background, by the way? Since I'll be working from home now, is this an appropriate background? Gorgeous. Or should I take it's stuff great. Out? Yeah. Yes. And if this is still uh, a part of the podcast, if you guys want to, uh, on our Patreon, we have videos. And so you can check out Pat, uh, Rob's background oh, nice. and let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let him know if it's appropriate. I think it's work appropriate. I think it's gorgeous. But here, I'm not a Patreon member. I should be paying for this for you. No, you don't. I'm going to make that happen. No. Nope. I'm making it happen. All right. If anyone wants to join the Patreon, if you go to Patreon and then search Living the Tropes, you can join us there. But bum, otherwise... Bum, 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 bum. That's the um, bum, 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 the harp part. That's me I'm... playing the harp at the beginning of every episode, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. That is, yeah. A harpist. I forgot to mention. Now you guys understand also why my <laughs> friend Tamara one time, she was like, I get so stressed when I hang out with you and Rob because you guys talk too quickly to each other. And she's like, and I feel like I have such a hard time like jumping in. I've been trying to end this thing for 10 fucking minutes. <laughs> Happy reading, everybody. Happy reading. I love you. Bye. Bye.